Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey, welcome to this month's Leadership Podcast. This is Dean. I'm so glad that you are joining in. Thank you for tuning in each and every month. This month, we're talking about no excuses, no regrets. And uh, if you're if you're watching by video, you see I've got my no excuses, no regrets shirt on. I'll tell you how you can get one of those in a little bit. But this has been a theme that's just been stirring in me, and it's going to be a uh, it's it's a direction that that me and my team are taking for 2024. And I just want to challenge you in that same light that what if we approach 2024 with no excuses and by the time we got to the end of the year, we had no regrets? Because so many times we get... we get uh, uh, Well, I'll just say it. We make a lot of excuses. And what if we approach this new year different than any years before. The word excuse is defined as an attempt to lessen the blame attached to a fault or an offense, uh, to seek to justify. It's a transfer of blame from oneself to some, some other external component. And so we might say things like, I'm, I'm just so busy, I don't have time to study like I used to. Uh, the, the pressures of ministry are, are weighting me down, and so therefore I can't do this or I won't do that. And, and so we tend to make a lot of excuses, and we're maybe not walking and fulfilling what God has called us to do and who we are called to be. And so as we navigate this, I want to I want to just throw out a quote by George Washington Carver. He said this, 99% of the failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. Well, why do we make excuses? Four big ideas. Number one is we is to blame. It's to get out of trouble. And we see this happening clear, clear back to the beginning of time and humanity, that when God shows up on the scene after after Adam and Eve have eaten of the forbidden tree, what is what is Adam's response? He doesn't accept responsibility. He makes an excuse. He said, God, the woman, and he blames the woman that you gave me. Uh, that's why I eat of the tree. The Lord looks at at Eve and says, Eve, why'd you do this? And she blames, she makes an excuse about the serpent. The serpent deceived me. Neither one of them owned it. And so what happens is we tend to blame. Secondly, we make excuses because of avoidance. It's to get out of a responsibility. We're avoiding, we're shirking our responsibilities. A lot of us know what to do in ministry. A lot of us know what to do in in pastoral care, but sometimes we don't live as sharp as we could. We're not as effective as we could be. We want to get out of that responsibility. And so we'll make Make up excuses. Moses did this in Exodus 3 and 4 when God said, I'm, I'm sending you to go see Pharaoh. Moses' excuse was, he said, who am I? 
Who am I to go talk to the, the king of the land? Who, I, I'm not qualified. And he said, who am I to lead these people of Israel? I've been on the backside of Egypt. I've not even been living with them. How can I get elected as a leader when I'm unknown? Then in Exodus chapter 4, he said, they won't believe me. He said, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. I've got a, I've got a speech impediment. And then finally, uh, Moses' excuses, he said, would you send someone else? No, God has called you for such a time as this. And so Benjamin Franklin was quoted by saying this. He said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. Our third way that we make excuses are denial, and we do this to get out of a personal problem. When Moses was up on the mountain and and, uh, Aaron's in charge of all the people, they become distressed that Moses hasn't come back. They become impatient. They begin to uh, rally uh, against and saying, we want another God. So they come to Aaron, and uh, he has them bring all of their gold and he creates a golden calf for them to worship. You know the story, but then what happens is when Moses confronts Aaron, he says this, he said, you yourself, he said, you know how evil these people are. He's making an excuse. It's the, it's the people's fault. Couldn't be Aaron's fault that he allowed this to happen. He said, they said to me, make us gods who will lead us. And we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here out of the land of Egypt. So I told them, this is Aaron speaking, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Well, Aaron was shirking his leadership responsibilities. And rather than accept responsibilities for his failure, he denied his very own sin. Fourth one is we're lazy. Uh, to we're, we're lazy because we want to avoid doing what we don't want to do. I've had a rough day. It's been difficult. Can I do it another day? We make excuses to put off responsibilities to another day and to another time. Proverbs 22, 13 says, the lazy person claims there's a lion outside. If I go outside, I might be killed. And then the last one is a unique one. It's it's perception. It's to be disqualified based upon misinformation or bad information. God has called each one of us to a mission, to a vision, and to a purpose. And yet, how many of us are guilty like a potential Jeremiah who came up with an excuse when God said, here's what I want you to do? He said, whoa, I'm I'm too young. Uh, maybe, maybe you're sitting there and God says, I want you to expand your church, expand your ministry. You go, whoa, I'm too old. Isn't it interesting how that when God, we know God is speaking to us and we try and make an excuse and argue with God. When Gideon, uh, the angel of the Lord, appears to Gideon, like he's threshing wheat, the angel of the Lord, some say it was Jesus Christ appearing to him and says, you you mighty man of valor. And we know the story that Gideon goes through this whole process of, of wanting to validate that it truly is God speaking. But one of the most profound things that he says is, is Gideon says, how can I rescue Israel? My clan, my family is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. When God sees our qualities, we tend to see 
our our inefficiencies. We tend to see the our shortcomings. And God God always is going to view us through his eye of faith. He's going to view us through our potential. So we need to stop making excuses. Why? Because number one, excuses defeat our purpose. They lie about our potential. They hinder our progress and they send us on a detour from our God-given destiny. What's the excuse that you're telling yourself? I was intrigued. I was recently teaching on this subject and and did some investigating on, on the story of Jonah. When God says, I want you to go to Nineveh, he's in Joppa, and Nineveh was about 500 miles away. I, Jonah gets on a ship for Tarshish that is about 2,500 miles away. He wasn't just casually making excuse and rebelling against God. He was going hard and strong in the opposite direction. And here's what I know. We see it in the life of Jonah, that potentially some of the challenge challenges, hardships, heartaches that we're going through are self-imposed because we're not going in the direction that the Holy Spirit has challenged us to go. We're not moving in harmony and rhythm with the Holy Spirit. And the more we align with the with the will and the purpose of God, I believe the smoother our sailing is going to come. I'm not saying we're never going to have a storm in life. We We see that happens. Even Jesus was in the storms of life. But what I'm saying is, sometimes our difficulties, I always have to look at myself when things aren't going right, when things seem to be just hitting the wall time and time again, I have to look and say, am I following the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit? Because here's what I know, to go where you've never been, you must do what you've never done. And so secondly, we learn that excuses turn us into victims instead of victors. Why do we need to break the excuse habit? Because it causes us to detour from our God-given destiny. It, it creates excuses, turn us into the victim of the situation versus the victorious ones that God has called us to be. Someone once said it this way, uh, excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure. It's it's an excuse. Well, you know, you know, I would I would love to work on my marriage, but my wife, my husband, wow, they just refuse to go to counseling. They refuse to change. Well, well, does their refusal to change stop us from changing? Does it stop us from loving, giving, forgiving, being kind, being generous, and functioning the way that God has called us to do? Because when we when we shift into the victim mentality, it really is the refusal to take responsibility and ownership. It couldn't be my fault. It's not my problem. I can't own it. I'm disqualified. Number three, excuses focus on the problem and hinder us from seeing the solution. Excuses focus on the problem and hinder us from seeing the solution. And here's what I would say. Excuses keep us focused on the obstacle in front of us. We become focused on why we can't instead of how can we? How can we overcome? How can we get through this? And so it's it's the age-old story if if you're not if you're just listening by audio if I hold my hand over my face 
the problem looks huge. But to the rest of you, from your perspective, it's just the size of a of a six six seven inch hand is all the bigger. But the closer, the more we focus on the problem, then that becomes the direction of our life that controls how we live, how we move, how we think, and how we respond. And so we need to make a shift and shifting away from the pessimist mindset to the optimist mindset. We need to make sure that we are confident in the direction and the purpose that we are following. We see the children of Israel as they're wandering in the desert desert, and they send in the 12 spies. Of course, 10 came back and said, no, we can't take the land. Here's what's unique to me about that whole story is those 10 men impacted an entire generation, thousands upon thousands of people would never taste and see the promised land that God had for them because their leadership, direction, and perspective was not in line with who God was and what God could do. They viewed it through their own abilities and through their own limited perspective versus seeing the unlimited perspective of God. And so when we look at characters in the Bible, I look at someone that that I truly admire and respect who had every opportunity to give excuse after excuse after excuse, and that was the woman with the issue of blood. She has suffered for 12 years. She's constantly bleeding. She's gone to the doctors. They She's grew no better. In fact, she's worse, and she has gone, uh, spent all of her money and is, is broke from trying to get restored. She hears of this man, Jesus, who can do miracles, and there is every excuse in the book not to go. Uh, Julie, if you get up and you get out and you walk that far, you're going to pay for it. You're going to be on your back for the next 10 days. You're too weak. You're too vulnerable. Uh, Julie, if you get up and you go, there are going to be so many people there. Even if you go, there's no way you'll ever get to see Jesus. There's too many people. And besides that, Julie, to go out in your current state, you are unclean. And any human who touches you, anything item that touches you must be declared unclean and go through a purification process. If you go out in public, you're going to be shunned, scorned, and shamed. The risk is just too great. But what I love is she took on the challenge. She broke through all of the excuses and said, I'm going to go for it. She touches the hem of his garment, power goes out, and she is healed and restored. Now, let's talk about the other aspect, no excuses. Let's talk about no regrets. How would have she felt if she didn't go to see Jesus and several of her neighbors come back and said, my son was healed, my husband was healed, my mother-in-law was healed? How would she feel if she hadn't pressed into Jesus and had listened to the excuses and she hears of all the miracles and testimonies of others, 
she would have had regret. You see, regret means to feel sad, to be repentant or disappointed over something that has happened or been done, but especially a loss or missed opportunity. I have found in my life more of my regrets are over missed opportunities rather than a disappointment over something that I chose to do. It's what I regret that I didn't do, that I didn't follow through. Pastor Stephen Furtick said this way. He said, today's excuses are tomorrow's regrets dressed in disguise. So whatever we're making excuses about today, we're going to make excuse, and tomorrow those are going to turn into regrets, and we're going to wish that we hadn't listened to those excuses. We have to choose whether we're going to just exist in life or we're going to live to the fullest. Someone once said this. They said, the path of least resistance is what makes rivers and people crooked. The path of least resistance is what makes people, rivers, and people crooked. Number two, when we're talking about regrets, is this. Discipline today avoids the pain of regret and disappointment tomorrow. It's when I'm disciplined that I, I say, hey, it's, it's my gym day. I'm not going to forego that. I'm going to make sure I go. It's those disciplined actions of our life that avoids the regret and the pain of tomorrow. I have never once walked out of the gym and went, man, I hate it that I went. Every time I don't feel like going and I and I push through with discipline, when I'm walking out, I go, thank God I push through. I avoid that regret. Or we're coming off the holidays. Did any of you give yourselves a free day? And you ate too many desserts, too much pie, too much cake. You 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 just had your free days, multiple free days. And then because you weren't disciplined, now you you're having regrets when you step on the scale and you go, How did I gain that weight? I don't understand. In 2 Corinthians 7:10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. The Message Bible puts it this way, distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation, and we never regret that kind of pain. That's the regret of when we we did something we know we shouldn't have. We said something we shouldn't have, and and the Holy Spirit corrects our heart, and and we have regret over what was done. We make that right. We ask for an uh, uh, apology, or we ask for forgiveness. We apologize and ask for forgiveness. But then it goes on, it says, but those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on a deathbed of regrets. I don't care what age, stage, and place in life that you are and in ministry, whether you're just getting started or maybe you're in the the final quarter of, of the game of life and ministry and you're asking how much more is in the tank. Here's what I want to challenge you. Live with no excuses and no regrets. Uh, Dan Pink said this. He said, if, if we know what we truly regret, we know what we truly value. 
It's it's the comparison to uh, if we can go back to our cameras with film days, like a photo negative which reverses light and dark when printed. Regrets work in much the same way. If we know what we regret the most, we can reserve, we can reverse, not reserve, we can reverse that image to reveal what we value most. Let me give you four different areas. The first one is our foundational regrets. They reveal the human need for stability. We need those simple basics of life. Secondly is our boldness regrets reveal a need for growth. It's 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 us saying we need to stretch, we need to push, we need to advance. And and when we feel that regret, it's a call and a cry that we value boldness. Thirdly, our moral regrets reveal a need for goodness. And lastly, our connection regrets reveal the need for love, that we regret we didn't call that person. We regret that we didn't reach out to that person on their birthday. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to challenge your team to go through this year with no excuses, no excuses on why we can't do it, why it won't work. Let's try some new things in ministry. Let's try and break the old habits, and let's stop looking for excuses on why we're not growing, and start looking for solutions. Instead of making excuses, well, it's still COVID. Well, COVID's over. Well, it's because people are watching online. Yeah, but there's a whole bunch of other people out there. Let's stop making excuses about our sermon study and preparation time. Let's make it a priority. And let's be Let's be cautious about making excuses about being hurt by previous members and and maybe pulling away or shying away from other relationships. The, The people that are with you now, they don't deserve that. They deserve the real you, the best version of you, and the healthy you. Hey, I want to throw something out to you. If you'd like to get one of these No Excuses, No Regrets shirts, you can go to No Excuses, No Regrets, plural, dot com. And that is a 501c3 ministry that my brother began. He's the inspiration of, of my No Excuses and No Regrets. And, uh, He's offering something uh, to get you guys a T-shirt. What he does is he's uh, producing the shirts, selling them, and then using the proceeds to help fund missions work. And so uh, if you would like to get uh, one of these T-shirts that comes in multiple colors, go to uh, No Excuses, No Regret, or for short, and that's .com, or N-E-N-R.com. And when you click on the uh, buy page, shopping page, I forget how it's worded there, go into the search bar and just put Rock 2024. And it'll bring up a whole page of the shirts like I have on and a bunch of different options that you can order those. They're usually 27 bucks shipped, free shipping to your home. If you insert the coupon code R-O-C-K, you'll get those shirts shipped to your house for 20 bucks, and you can get that. This deal is good through January 31st. If you're listening later in the year, if you've gone back and listened to my previous podcast, it's not there. Hoodies, sweatshirts, caps, ball caps, beanies, all that other stuff is there, plus a bunch of other things you can check out at No Excuses, 
noregrets.com. I want to remind you all of our resources are free and available at deanhawk.com. We just finished our series prior to the Christmas holidays called Guilt Trip. I want to dare you and challenge you to make that a part of your 2024 preaching calendar. It was a life-altering series for a massive uh, number of the people in my church. It was one of my favorite series that I have taught because it ministered and helped me so much first place and then helped the people also. We release the podcast on the 15th of every month. I hope you'll be back with us next month, and I pray that your new year just continues to move along strong. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.